right. We are here. We're doing a little different today because our little friend, little Andy, is down in Orlando, right? Yeah. That, uh, I believe, over somewhere over there is Disney World or something. Right there. And what? And you're you're learning stuff so we can talk about smart things on our podcast, right? Yes, we uh, we're trying. Hello, just kidding. I just yeah. want to switch to the camera. Um, yeah, we're doing good down here. It's uh, the R four uh, International Convention, and it was um, really an interesting uh, you know program because there's like the the guys that put the and gals that put the program together were like, hey, they go, we still have spears hanging out of our back from the whole industry being one of the first ones to come back and do a convention um, where we got people together live. And it was, uh, I'll tell you what, it was pretty cool how they did it. Cause I've always been curious with, you know, the new world, like how do we function? How do we, you know, do things safely? Um, literally you have to go through a health screening every day. Um, you're scanned at, at the point of contact and the entryways. Um, it's, it, it's everybody's spaced out nicely. Um, and then, you know, there's plenty of space here where you can go outside too, because Florida has pretty lax rules on mask. It's kind of a personal decision here versus a mandated decision in a lot of other states, wink, wink, like Minnesota. But um, the, uh, so the idea there was, is that they got us together and uh, it, it was really neat. And then they had a speaker yesterday that I, Dave Ramsey, and uh, came in and, and talked about how, I thought there was a real an interesting analogy, how he says a lot of people in life you know, operate like cattle. And he goes, I'm a rancher from, you know, uh, Colorado. And he said, you know, when a storm comes, like, like something like what happened last year, is he says, most cattle will actually run away from the storm, which makes them stay in the storm longer. And he said, there's only one animal on earth that runs into storms. He goes, it's a buffalo. And he goes, I'm in a room of buffaloes. He goes, the buffaloes run at the storm, hit the storm fast, um, attack it almost because they're, they're mad at it. And then the storm is a lot quicker and, and, and less painful because it's, you know, they run through it. And uh, it was just a real interesting analogy, uh, not that I want to be compared to a buffalo, but the idea there is that the mentality of, of most independent entrepreneurs right now is that. And, uh, and I'll say one last thing. I, if you're watching this and you're, you have an opportunity to support some of these, these uh, I, I've been talking to bus drivers and, and, you know, the bartenders and the waiters and waitresses. A lot of these folks are, this convention was the first time they've worked in 12 months. They, they've been sitting on furlough. Um, Remax put, I think, 4,000 people back to work down here um, doing this, this event between the bus drivers, the whatevers. And, you know, again, it, I mean, a lot of these people are literally living off their 401ks. They ran out of unemployment benefits. They, you know, and so all of a sudden this is going to help people get back on their feet. And that's what they were. Everybody is so cool here at the Marriott World Center you know, thanking everybody for their generosity and their thanking for putting us back to work. And so it was, it was kind of fun to be part of something that's, you know, kind of cutting edge in the, and, and a little bit politically unpopular right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, anyway, wanted, to thank try you. To, I wanted to try to get down there, but uh, it just didn't work out with the scheduling, but we do have the Italian stallion back. Yes, I am. And I was actually in that area during the Super Bowl weekend, Andy, I was in Orlando. Oh, really? I, was in, I was in Tampa and that was, Nuts. It was, a, it was a good vibe. Very happy. A lot of happy people. But yes, Luigi came and fixed my my bandwidth, the Wi-Fi. Yeah. You guys were making fun of me. He came over here. He fixed it. Now I'm I'm smooth. We but I got the this, pipe. We <laughs> I got this flamingo shirt on because I'm trying to find my happy place in this lockdown. No, I'm in I'm in the lockdown still. Nothing's open here in in Italy, so this is why I got this this nice uh, bright pink flamingo shirt on. Loving it. But, um, you were just talking about all those agents there um, at the the convention down in Orlando. I came across an article actually on my feed recently about how many new realtors are in this market. It's gotten to the point there's more new realtors than homes for sale in the U.S. I thought this was really interesting and, and wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah, that's exact. That was one of the first things they brought up today. They go, boy, it'd be interesting to see if the herd could thin itself out a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost crazy that there's more real estate agents than homes for sale in the U.S. But I mean, what are we in Minnesota? We got like 20,000 agents, so there's no chance we're even close to that, that many listings. I mean, not even close. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, and they talk about with the uh, with the amount of uh, agents that are out there, and then 
the, the level of professionalism is what everybody here was focusing on is that, you know, in the future, there needs to be some accreditation given to, hey, you've sold 500 houses or 1,000 houses and not just, you know, in the associations, I'll be honest with you, they protect the, the cows or the cattle because they pay all the fees and it's all revenue. And so these big national associations protect everybody versus rewarding those that have worked longer or harder or have a better track record. And I think that the industry is going to, the, the agents are stepping up now where you're going to see the real estate agents taking control of that, that have been around and they're, they're done. They're tired of it. And it, it's actually going to be a completely different industry where right now, most people, the sad thing is they say they'll, like when they go to Zillow, for example, to see a house and they go through 26 agents on average before they actually buy a house. And it's, it's, that's not what this industry is about, guys. Yeah. Those are door openers, not realtor agents. I think you know? what's interesting, Nick and Andy, is that, uh, you know, obviously with what exactly what Andy talked about at the beginning was about people being furloughed for a super long time. I mean, and getting to be a realtor, although the test is not as easy as it once was, but it doesn't take a lot to be able to get uh, licensed. And it's a, a quick way in which to be able to get uh, into a job that, uh, you know, there's potential to make a, a, a good living in it. But um, this is a real hard market for the beginning people, for sure. I read something that I forgot what percentage. It was a high percentage, make about like $8,000 a year. The new realtors and, and a, a large amount. They're always out. Like it's an open door revolving with the industry. Yeah, one second, guys. Yeah, well, we, we don't know what happened to Andy, but anyways, um, you're, you're exactly right. And typically um, half the agents that get into the business are out of it yeah, within of a year. And so they're, it's constantly turning over, but uh, it is a industry that I'm, I'm hoping that some of the younger people can get into it. Uh, two years back, and I don't know if in your article, it, it talks about these stats, but um, there was only 6% of the agents were under 30 years old. You know, and I think the average uh, realtor age, and I've been in it 31 years, and I'm still under the average real estate a realtor age. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, older people that are that are in here. What is this guy doing? <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't hear you guys, and so I was plugging in headphones while I was listening. Okay, all right. So, um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a sad reality. Um, you know, for a lot of people that. I mean, and sales are down as well. I mean, it's crazy when you get it, but um, I've experienced a lot of uh, multiple offers on my listings. And in fact, on one of them, I just found out that um, they had lost 15 offers, 15 before they got our listing. I'm so sorry, you guys, I'm, I'm a jerk. Well, no, I don't know if you heard that, Andy, but I had one client, it wasn't my client, but someone that got ended up the buyer that won the offer on my house had lost 15 deals previous to getting that one accepted. And it was kind of one of those things that it was like, I'm not going to lose this deal. It's not going to happen. Andy? If, I can't even hear you guys. Look, give me one second. I'm going to connect with my phone. Okay. I'm sorry. I was trying to sit down on the porch. It's not working. Yeah. Give me Nick, one. Let's just go to you can keep talking. I'll just listen and I'll give me one second. But Chris, doesn't that say a lot? Because a lot of people think, you know, what do agents do? You know, they just they just get the check and they're not really doing much. But doesn't it say a lot if there's like a, a small group that are really succeeding and a lot of them that just go through it like a, a revolving door? Yeah. And typically there's there's a reason to um, that people are succeeding and some people aren't succeeding. Um, and, and some of it is, is, I mean, it's not easy to get clients, you know, and so if you don't have some sort of lead system or you know, you're really tenacious and, and get on uh, these clients, it's hard. And uh, I, like I've said, and, and we've done some uh, stuff advertising wise um, to let other people know, but I say this constantly is that there's no other time that I've been in real estate 31 years, more important to have the right realtor on your side, you know, because at this point, um, you get it you can't be afraid from an agent standpoint to tell the clients exactly what the heck's happening, you know, to get them the most money on their listing, but to also get them a house if they're buying and you got to be honest with them on that. So it's a, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a, it's a tricky thing right now. And I think we're, um, we're, we're going through an interesting time and I don't think the time it's not going to change for a little while yet. 
I mean, I think right. if there's any change, it's going to be later fall. You know, with with. Hello, everybody. Oh, he's back. Yeah. Wow. I'm back. I'm inside. There we go. He's um, God, now I look like a creepy interviewer. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, thank thank you for uh, understanding my lack of professionalism. Um, the uh, I agree with you guys 100. percent I haven't really heard what you've been saying, but you're right. You know, with with the situation with new agents, um, you know, I know we were kind of leaving with that. And having so many of us in the industry at one time, there's a clog of people trying to get new business that thinks it's easy. They're not taking necessarily, not all, but some are taking the, uh, I want to take advantage of what's happening versus the, I want to make something a professional career. And anyway, I just, I would summarize with, with saying that our industry, I think you'll see a change right now. We're going to separate the, uh, the women and the girls, the boys and the men, whatever you want to say, the cows and the, the buffaloes. The buffaloes. You're going to see two groups. Well, I got something to help these new agents and you guys, some inspiration relating to marketing. I found this article. This is our value article of the week. Try to do this each week to give some value to the listeners. So here's uh, 22 creative real estate marketing tactics. I'd like to see your guys' thoughts on these. And I know a couple of you guys, you guys do a couple of these ones too. I think uh, Andy is, I mean, when you talk about mega open houses, I think, uh, Mega open houses are you trying to just drive a ton of people to there. But Andy, you're doing that um, with your model homes and where you're yeah. having the wine, wine events. Yeah, we try to do things that are different. I think that a lot of the consumers out there that are fatigued, if you will, with, with the existing marketplace that, you know, everybody wants to take advantage of the lower rate. But those that do want to take advantage of the... Um, they need a bigger house. They have more kids. They want to downsize that those, those buyers um, we're trying to create events around it to get people out to just see what it's like. So for an example, like when we had, uh, we have a Rambler that's up in Blaine and beautiful, you know, new design, we have a wine and cheese, meet the builder, meet some of the contractors, the vendors and make it an educational event and kind of a fun event. And then people come out and can see, you know, like right now with the parade of homes, what is cool, right? So it's like, what is happening? What is, um, you know, what can you do with new construction? Because what's nice about it is that with the mega open houses, with the new construction, you can order a house and now you have a plan figured out. So it, it's kind of cool, I think. And then you can actually sell your house with timing when the new house is going to be ready. So it's about one of the only sane ways to get into this marketplace. Yeah. You know, you know mega houses, open houses, I mean, the, the, the huge theory on them is, yeah, a wine events or some sort of event, but it's kind of almost like it's a party. And then people are coming to see the house and, and sometimes the house is secondary to it. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's expensive in which to do, but if you have a intriguing property or maybe you're not getting a ton of showings, it's a good way to do it. Talking about mm -hmm. virtual tours, Andy, we're seeing, I'm starting to see a lot of realtors doing them themselves rather than just doing them with video that they're walking through and doing the tours. Yeah, that they, they claim that there's a big total, like 27% of the sales this year were attributed to a virtual or a walkthrough or by the agent without the, the consumer with them. So there was, you know, like I could be sitting here down in Orlando, Chris is showing me a house back in Minneapolis on Prior Lake. And I, I trust Chris, he's a professional. He's gonna tell me, write it, I write it. You know, and a lot of that's done digitally too. So. He emails me a uh, purchase agreement. I click, click, click. Um, he gets it presented with the contingencies if, if we can get those accepted. And, and then I come back and, and view it uh, during the inspection. That, that's, I'm not as scared of those as a listing agent as I used to be. Um, you know, back in the day, man, that was a, a scary proposition where people were writing offers and they didn't have their deal put together yet. You know, COVID until they saw it. And I was like, ah, COVID, nowadays I'm not scared of it. How about COVID you? kind of changed that for us too, Andy. You know, I mean, that we had, I mean, we, we, we're forced in which to do that. And now with what the market is and the inventory down, we're forced to do it again. Because if we're going out and trying to get a, 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 I know the houses you list, you have tons of showings on them. And if, if I'm lucky enough to be able to get in there, I can't call my client and say, hey, John and Sue, uh, what time would you like to go look at this house this weekend? It's not like that anymore. Hey, John and right. Sue, I got a 15 minute window here that I can show you on you know Wednesday. At seven at seven fifteen, you know, well they can't go because they have a kid thing. Well, okay, I gotta go, and then we'll just do it a, a FaceTime type showing. 
this is this has been amazing for me trying to rent out a, a property instead of getting shown up and, and going to a property and they canceled the last second. I've done this from Mexico, probably 10 different people sending them, you know, a bunch of videos I did of, of, of the unit, gave them a bunch of details and it saves everyone way more time. You don't have to go through a million different showings. And a lot of them asked for the virtual tour too, or, Hey, just send me videos. And so COVID did do a lot of good things re relating to that. Yep. I agree. Okay. What is this? How about some, some out of box marketing for you guys, any crazy, you know, past things you've done at houses that was totally unique. Well, I think, um, Andy, I think you could maybe speak to, um, not just about a property, but, um, your clientele, uh, you do a movie thing every year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's kind of a fun event. It, it's gotten a little bigger than I ever thought it would have. I mean, the, not last year, cause we got to skip it last year. Um, but the year before we, uh, we had over, uh, 400 people, um, show up for our movie event and we do it up in Champlin at the man theater, which is, man, I tell you what, if you ever have a corporate event, call those guys. They're fantastic. They, actually make you, you know, feel like you're important and, and take care of you. And I, I, uh, anyway, so plug for them for sure. But yeah, we, we invite people in, see a movie, bring their families, bring their friends. And it's just fun for me. Cause you know, Chris, you and I know this kind of out of the box marketing. Th think about this for a second. Um, I actually develop relationships with every one of my clients that I help. It's not always your best friends, but you develop a relationship. You care about them. You care about their family. You care about, you know, their jobs. And an event like that for me gives me a chance to literally take that five minute breather and say, oh my gosh, how are you? How are you doing? How's the family? How's it? And it's like a big old family reunion, which is so fun for me. And, you know, I, I, uh, I guess I'm a little different. I, I'm not about transaction counts and all that stuff. I think it comes down to me. I get, you know what I brag about? Like when I'm down here, I brag about like how many people referred me last year. How many, you know, that to me is where, where it's at. Cause that shows the ultimate satisfaction and service is when somebody says, Hey, you know, give, give this clown a call. Yeah, I did. Uh, there's two of that uh, examples I've got Nick on this in that uh, we did like a wine tasting. Uh, so we had uh, a group in uh, that did wine tasting and I invited a bunch of people. It was a higher end listing um, invited the, the type of people that um, might you don't have friends that would buy it, not necessarily that they're buying it. And then we did another one, which I thought was uh, fantastic. And it was with a chef. And we did, what was really cool is that it turned into, hey, come and see this house. It's a beautiful house. And by the way, we're gonna have a chef and he's gonna teach you different things on how to cook. And then you get to eat it. And so at this one place, we did like a, a, a appetizer, a special sauce, and then how to do like crepes. And he taught them all that and so you could you could go around and just kind of hang around the house and talk to other people or you could watch the chef and do it and then we got to eat all the food and it was uh fantastic and everyone loved it and we did it with a a smaller group and so we didn't want more than um 50 total people there yeah. so we invited uh 25 uh couples in which to be able to do it and uh ironically the person that uh ended up buying it was a friend of a friend that they were talking mm -hmm. about so Nice. I think yeah, that, really, yeah, those, those kind of deals are really cool. I think the, uh, when you can put a bunch of people together and, and make people comfortable, I think, especially in today's world where I think, you know, you and I are a little more of the, the Buffalo where I'm not afraid to run into the storm, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that are still nervous, you know, and they don't want to come out, but they, they want to see that house. They want to buy that house. They just want to do it on their terms and, and safely in their opinion. And then, so it, it's so nice to have, you know, opportunities where you can say, Hey, let's do a private showing or, you know, if it's that social event now that hopefully we can bring back. Cause I get a kick out of those two. You get to meet more people. Um, that's cool. Um, I know a couple of years ago we were, um, in neighborhoods where, you know, I would have a, a focus on wanting to have more business. Um, before our open houses, we would hire college kids to go wear the college sweatshirt and knock door to door and invite the neighbors and say, Hey, we're doing a private neighborhood only open house. And what was cool for the college kids was I wasn't paying them per hour. I'd pay them per attendee. And so we did a deal where um, as they were going door to door, they'd hold up their sweatshirt and they'd say, hey, you know, we're doing this open house. 
Remax down the street. I'm obviously a college kid, but you by you coming to that open house, they donate $20 to my tuition. I'd love to see your support. Just stop in and say hi. And, you know, the real estate team's happy because we get to meet more neighbors, which is everybody's goal, because you have a connection with somebody. Eventually, someday when they sell, they might call you. Um, or you can be resourceful and help them. You know, they might want more information on the neighborhood or how do I do this or how do I, it's amazing how most people at the end of the day are curious how much equity they have. And then what would you do to my house if we were going to sell it to maximize, you know, the highest sale price possible under the, you know, conditions on selling it. And those I are think, great I conversations think, to have at those I think this, this local brand one in the time of COVID, everyone is uh, really focused on helping out small business. I mean, how important is this for, for agents in their community or to build a presence in a neighborhood they want to be is to partner with these local brands? I, I think it's fantastic. It's I think you also get into a point where you're trying to do so many different things, you know, that uh, building those uh, is a great is a great thing to do. I just don't think a lot of people do them. Uh, but, you know, we have I mean, like personally myself, we do a lot of help with recommending different um, re for remodels, repairs, people trying to get their listings together. And we recommend those people, but we don't have a, like a full program in place that uh, says, hey, if you go there and if you go eat there on Sunday nights, you get 25% off. But that is a, that's a fantastic thing. And I really liked Andy's idea of sending the kids out in their college shirts. I mean, it gives, to me, it, that thing that double leverages you're you're getting them to the open house but you're also helping kids and you're making it memorable and that's well and, the, and those kids have a lot of fun too because when you're wearing your uh you know iowa state you know uh sweatshirt and they're from you know uh, university of iowa and they're like hey hawkeyes rule man yeah. <laughs> you know or whatever and so the the conversations are so fun and natural you know that's fun. This is this is a big one for you, Chris, right? The, the visualize the lifestyle. Absolutely. And I was going to say, and I'm glad this came up because that whole dinner with the chef thing, what did that mm -hmm. also do? If you have 25, 50 people there as guests, it shows how you can entertain there. And this place was an entertaining place. If it would have been a small kitchen and it would have been really chopped up, I wouldn't have done that. But it gave them the, hey, this is where we can, uh, you know, entertain other people and stuff like that. So yeah, showing uh, how, how a property lives is so important. And I always think it's, it's a subtle way of doing it. I'll never say, hey, dummy, this is a big kitchen and you can have people over here. Show them that there's a lot of people in there. And then they go, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people in here. I can entertain in here. And that's yeah. how I try to do my videos and stuff. So it's, uh, so they can, my marketing leads them to the conclusion I want them to feel. Well, it goes back to Chris, you're, you're right on the money. I, it, it's not the house that they're buying. They're buying what the house does for them. And, and it goes to show sometimes people can't visualize that, you know? And so having an example, like you're talking about is a fantastic way to market a property on a different level that hits because most people buy in emotions. They, they, they don't buy with logic. They buy with emotions. So when you get them subscribing to, wow, wouldn't this be cool for our big party our our company party, our 4th of July, whatever, and, and then all of a sudden they can subscribe to that because they, they've seen it. Um, that is truly selling uh, the property. Here's one thing too. I know we're going to the next subject, but it's that um, what it does is it creates value, intrinsic value that they can't say that, okay, this one's 4,232 square feet versus 4,404. They forget all that. They're like, oh my gosh, look at how I can use this space. And then the price as your listing agent, it starts going up because they want the house. And so uh, I think that's, that's the trick. Yeah. Got a new little segment here um, for me to kind of give value to this podcast of, of photos I've taken around my travels of different kind of architecture or how people are living. I mean, I know me personally, I used to think like kind of suburbia and maybe a little metropolitan like Minneapolis was the only way you could live, but I've seen a lot more and I've like, my tastes have changed. Um, here's three photos. I'll kind of give a little background of each photo when we get to it. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on kind of the architecture or the design inspiration. And then the, the viewer and the listener, 
can maybe add this to their home or add a, a piece of it. So this first one is from uh, Merida, um, Yucatan, in, in the hearts of the Yucatan Peninsula. This is in Mexico. And uh, this is like Mansion Row. In the early 20th century, Merida, Mexico had the most millionaires per capita in the world. They were selling this plant that was used all over and like rubber and a bunch of different things. So there's literally a huge street that looks like it's straight out of Europe of these mansions that are beautifully designed like this. I just love that that yellow, that pop. And then obviously this like intricate design they have going on here. You guys see? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, look at that. Look at that detail. I mean, even on those corbels on the doors there that uh, I mean, they're so I mean, there's they're little people, you know, um, yeah. little flowers next to them and all those beads. I mean, the the details on that is is crazy. We don't we don't get to see much of that, Andy, at all. No, nope. I mean, maybe sometimes, well, you know, I, I suppose our weather is different, too. Right. You know, they like a, even a flat roof with a, obviously a railing around it. So it's got a deck of some kind up there utilizing the, the you know, space and, and having the ability to have a yard that's on top of your house or something. Maybe that's where you entertain at this house. I don't know. Yeah. How can someone in Minnesota take some uh, inspiration from this? They can add those Christmas lights that they have laying up there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I saw those. There's inspiration. Um, oh, I, I still have some of those in my neighborhood. I think those doors are, are pretty darn cool um probably without the the steel on them but uh those doors i mean they're like almost half doors and so you totally have to open them both but uh maybe a, as uh, a side type door or something is well, it this, pretty this crazy kind of architecture oh sorry this kind of architecture here a lot of times it's brick right or block and they go straight up that's why it's square and then they soften it with all the accents and the pillars and they dress it up if you stripped all that off that house, it would be a big brick house or a big block house, like a lot of houses you see down in Mexico. Um, and so they did a great job of warming it up, making it inviting, um, you know, putting some curves on there. I think it's cool. Do you, do you think this looks like it's in Mexico? I mean, to me, this is totally European. I mean, when you think of Mexico, you don't really think of stuff like this, do you? No. Where, Not what really, the, yeah. Yeah, what, Merida, you said that was the, like the richest place? What'd you say? They had the most millionaires per capita in the early uh, 1900s. Huh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. I right, got next one coming up here. This should be a little more familiar. You guys can see it? Yeah. That's, that's Chris's frat house. <laughs> it's New Orleans. This is when me and uh, yeah. Chris were, were down there in the fall. This is in Elgers Point, the second oldest neighborhood in America. This is very, you know, New Orleans vibes, the bright colors. Yeah. And I love these, these little right here, that light blue. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, here's the cool design. Look at That's look, crazy detail, isn't it? Yeah. What's on those corbels? Is that like little bells? Look at those little things up there. Um, like little, huh. they look like little bells up, up on the top. Yeah. Right up. There. Oh, yeah. Right here. Look at that. Yeah. Oh. So, oh. I, a little higher, a little go higher. Go to the, go to the yeah, uh, gable. Yeah, those things. I don't, yeah, that's interesting. But there, there's a lot of style. That's a kind of a Victorian feel for sure. Right. Uh, that that we might see, uh, and you do see it in, in St. Paul, Minneapolis. But uh, again, yeah. super detailed for sure. Well, and there's such a French influence there too. And then there's that Caribbean influence that's there. I mean, what a fun mix of, uh, you know, interesting uh, people's backgrounds all melted together where you take a, a Victorian house like this and they dress it up and make it look amazing, you know, with all the fun they've done with the details. And Andy, what about those little, that clay, those clay tiles on the, where the roof is. So it's a combination of asphalt shingles. Go to the, go to one of the sides, uh, Nick. Yep, See the little clay go. tiles there? Right there? there? Yeah, oh. right there. Yep. And where it matches with the asphalt roof as well. So there, there is your uh, Caribbean kind of feel as well. Florida. I guarantee you they, they're just tired of replacing those corner shingles. My goodness, some of the weather those folks have survived through down there. Um, you know, those houses with all that detail, can you imagine probably takes them, you know, quite a, quite a bit to put it all back together if they get a big storm and, you know, lots of wind. And Isn't New Orleans basically under the, uh, under the sea level? 
I mean, it's like under the sea level, so there's no basements or anything that are there either. I, well, I have a question. Was, it, didn't no. you guys go see all that? Like where the, they talk about how the bodies actually in New Orleans that are buried actually eventually float up because the water table's so high. And they'll have we bones sticking out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might've been Nick. He's, he's kind of into ghost stories and stuff like that. Yeah. But I would have I stayed home. What, what kind of things in Minnesota can you add though to, to give a little life to your home without killing resale or without getting a like a home, uh, the neighborhood where you can't put something too loud there. Like what are some cool things you guys have seen that you can add? I think for boldness, I mean, maybe the shutters are, are something that people can just kind of add. Um, I, th I think if you go out there, just like that last picture, I mean, you really go for it. That's going to attract some people. I think if you go half-assed, pardon my language, but if you half-ass it, it's not, it's probably not going to work. So then you just got to get a touch of it. So maybe it is those those shingles, or maybe it's some of those those that corbel detail that you need. Well, you know, if, if you don't want to get outside the the norm of the area that you're living in. So let's say you do want to have a, an area in your house that's themed, and you want to do your four season porch with a certain theme, or your front porch, or maybe you simply enough just on that uh, you know traditional Minnesota looking house, whatever that means. You have you know kind of some fun pots that are painted that reflect your design or where you know your background or where you grew up or whatever and it, it can be cool I mean I think there's a lot of fun ways to do that without damaging the values of the house and then you know again that makes you feel at home and that's what this is all about speaking of feeling at home this is this is a, a different kind of vibe this is the vibe I really enjoy this is in Porto Portugal and a lot more apartment living just like in Italy Nice clothes, but they have like kind of the floor to ceiling type uh, windows, graffiti everywhere, street art, little balconies, but it's cozy. It's different, but it's, it works for a lot of these people. And I think, you know, 60% of 60 to 70% of um, people in Spain, Italy, and Portugal live in apartments. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Nick, is you, you did, there? You, did you have much time to look at the pricing? Like, I guess Chris and I would both be interested in that too with the, uh, like, do they buy the apartments or are they renting them or, you know, can you buy an apartment building there? Is it, is it legal, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of renters, but oh, Porto is very, Portugal is one of the cheapest like European countries. There's golden visa programs that everyone tries to use to get into the, to the EU and you can work and travel if you get the citizenship anywhere in Europe. But um, these are going for probably like two to 250,000 euros. In Italy, it's a little more expensive unless you go buy in the South, which is really cheap. But in the future, I, I will definitely get some price tags for the, the photos I take. But um, for the most part, especially in Portugal, where this is, this is Porto, it's very cheap. I'd be curious on the zoning as well, you know, because I mean, obviously in America, our zoning is, yeah. is really hard. Um, like in this place is that I mean, is the apartment on just one of those levels? Is it the whole building or is there commercial on the bottom or could you have a home business and live up on the top two levels? Because I, I, I do, I, I kind of like this. I like this too. I think if for a, a second home type thing, I always thought, hey, I'd go down. I mean, these probably don't have elevators but I'd go down the elevator and I'd be right out on the sidewalk and I could walk the city, uh, which I think is, I mean, and that, that definitely is a lifestyle. Yeah, most of the apartments I've seen, Chris, especially in Italy, like the one I stay in, they all have businesses underneath them. And a lot of people that stay here own those businesses. But I mean, you'll see like, you know, six year olds, like, you know, and then the, the, the son will live underneath them. Like the Italians, they all live in the same building. It's, it's pretty wicked. One thing I forgot to mention about Porto, which is really cool, is the city is covered in these like tiles with that color. The train station is one of the craziest things I've ever seen, but the whole like city throughout it has these weird, you know, these beautiful blue tiles all around it. It's pretty neat. That's really cool. Yeah. Boy, Andy, we're even getting cultured. <laughs> the thing we, we knew Champlin and prior life, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, you know, it's interesting though, is I, I love seeing uh, the different architecture and how we have pigeonholed ourselves into these, you know, same designs on the same houses and nobody ever wants to step out of the box and try something new. But 
granted, no, there's, there's different, you know, temperatures um, we have to deal with. We probably have some of the most extreme temperature swings in Minnesota that you, you know, you can experience, you know, from the minus 20s up to the 105, you know, whatever it is. And, and humidity levels here are pretty crazy sometimes. So I do understand where we designed the product to accommodate the weather, you know, but on the other hand, it would be fun to see some new, you know, downtown scenes or something. You know, I, I could see that Nolan's house um, somewhere over in like Excelsior, you know, with a coffee shop or something in the front of it, you know. It was fun. We were, we, uh, Nick and I, uh, during the COVID, we just snuck away and got down there and went to uh, New Orleans. And uh, of course, I was like, dude, they have like lifts and, and Ubers that we can go in. And he's like, we got to walk this whole thing. But we go to these little cafes and I would never do that. I would, I would basically stick to the kind of the big stuff. But we went to these little corner cafes and I'm like, I'm not eating here. And I'm like, we're going back there again for lunch and then dinner because it was so good. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's a very neat city, New Orleans. I, I I'm so excited for this to actually work this time because last time with the the bandwidth it wasn't, but we got Rooney's rant. Okay, hold on. That reminds me of the Wild and the North Stars, by the way, that music. Yeah. <laughs> you can fire it up. Hey, yours I'm is coming in. Mine looks like. I got one. Yours is coming. Okay. So mine is what what are what are things that uh, destroy home values um, and things that get me every time. And I'll tell you what, the number one thing is to me is cleanliness. Cleanliness. If if nothing else, if you don't update the paint, you don't update the carpet, you don't declutter, make sure that that house is clean. Because that's one thing people have a really, really, really hard time not seeing or, or seeing past. Because they don't know what's underneath that dirt then. You know, and if they, have, if they don't clean their house, how is, what's behind the walls look like? So I think that's a big thing. Another one is uh, that is usually just a killer is a smokehouse. And when I talk about a smokehouse, I mean, I literally that you, I mean, you smell the smoke and if it's something, yeah, it's something that you're doing, you know, and, and it's your house, you can do whatever you want in it, but just know that it's going to affect you and it's going to affect the sale. So if you're getting to that point that you're thinking about selling, uh, stop smoking in the house and start smoking outside and keep your windows open as long as you possibly can. Um, you're going to want to get everything cleaned and repainted because we got to get that smoke smell out. There's my rant. You got anything to add to my rant, Andy? No, I agree with you a million percent. I think that the, I, I've seen customers of mine spend eight to $12,000 trying to get the smell of smoke out of their house. So, you know, when you're like, oh, it's no big deal. It is a huge deal. I mean, you know, sitting down here at a convention where I'm watching people, um, you know, the people actually outside. Hey, hold on. Yeah. Andy, your, your voice sounds like a smoker's voice right now. He's playing with my rant. I think he did that on purpose. Yeah. But yeah, you're going to fix that? You, do that. you might have to refix that, Andy. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> okay. You just can't talk as much. Am I back to normal or not? No. Oh, good. You're going to have to keep your answers really short. Do we have Andy's analogy or was, is that next? <laughs> Actually with his voice, this, I, I know what it's going to be. And with his voice, it's going to be perfect for this rant. I, okay. We'll see. <laughs> Hold on. Gotta... She, we got her lost. Okay. Here we go. You guys ready? He's winking. <laughs> I test. Boys, can you hear me better now? Otherwise, I'm connecting to my phone. Yeah, connect to your phone. Connect to your phone because we want you to talk about the guaranteed offer. 
and what you think about the guaranteed offer. I'm going to tell you. I know. This is this was all. I'm going to once once you get. I'm going to say a little something. To, I think you have to sign in, Chris. Um. Yeah, you. Uh, I, little precursor to this when Andy and I were on the radio all the time anytime word would come up about a guaranteed offer he, his eyes would just like get big and then I'm like oh, oh here we go and, and so now we kind of send them on again uh on this so how do I sign now a little better okay hang on perfect turn this down Perfect. all right I would oh god is it horrible? Oh, it's good. Just I think you gotta talk closer. Yeah. It's a headset. <laughs> oh, okay. Um <laughs> it's not sounding very good in my ears. Right there, right there. Just just stay right there and talk. Just like that. I would like to show you how upset I am. No. Well, <laughs> Here, Should we move to story time? Should we move to story time and try to, or you want to take Andy's analogy, Chris? No, I think, I mean, Andy's uh, whole situation, what's, what is that? What is going on? <laughs> I was, was trying to be funny. funny. Turn up, why don't you turn off the one at the hotel and leave it on your car, your mobile phone? Okay. Yeah. Opt out of that one. And... Oh, yeah, oh, they're good. Way better? Yes. Awesome. All right. Uh, so what did now that I'm so technologically uh, disconnected here? What did you guys want me to do? Give us an analogy for the guaranteed offer and tell us what you think about it. Uh, you know, all I can say is that a guaranteed offer is guaranteeing you a low offer usually, and that you're, you know, and in my opinion, a translation of of a guaranteed offer a lot of times equates to you having your equity taken away from you. So I, I struggle with, you know, in our industry. Um, people that call themselves real estate agents or a real estate company, and then they offer a product that essentially strips their equity. And, you know, the term equity stripping is illegal. And this is, in some cases, I believe, super close to it. So some of these companies are not going as real estate companies. They're coming in as contractors and they're entitled. To, I, where I struggle is it's the, it's the little old lady that, you know, the husband died and, and she can't clean the house out. She has no relatives. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, a shark comes along and wants to offer them a cash offer and, and completely takes advantage of the situation. That's my, you know, biggest beef with that industry. And they all say they don't do it, but I, I, there's a lot of, you know, oh, Bill died and now Sandy's trying to sell the house by herself and she just went with a guaranteed offer. And then you look at the, the tax records of what they actually accepted and it's, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's sad. So um, I, I would rather see people planning things out ahead of time as married couples and saying, Hey, if something happens, to either one of us, let's both, you know, take this plan of action. And, you know, I don't know, but it, you know, a business model is a business model, you know I mean? And if, if that's okay with today's market and who am I to tell you that you can't do it, but um, I tell you there's in today's market, there's a lot of other ways to put more money in your pocket. And, and I don't even care if you're going to a nursing home or a senior center uh, if you make another 50 grand on your house, that pays for a lot of, of rent in those facilities, you know? Do you think, Andy, that in some, in some cases, guaranteed offers are not a bad thing from a standpoint of maybe you don't have any money to kind of fix it up and, you know, you, you, you could get hit worse if you don't want to deal with it. And maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe you don't want yeah. your neighbors to see how destroyed your house really is and how, how you lived and maybe a guaranteed offer is, is a way out of that quickly and move on your way. And sometimes you can leave all the stuff there as well. You just, you're just gone. So you're, you're coming at it from a different angle where it's uh, like, it's a service providing a service, not just, you know, offering you a low price. So in that case, I think you could, um, you know, get a fair deal. Um, if you deferred all the maintenance on your house and you know, you, so you've saved fifty to hundred thousand dollars by not doing a thing to that house in thirty years. You know, maybe that that offer that's low is is well deserved because there's you know a lot of things that could have been done, should have been done, and didn't get done. And that new buyer has to make a heck of an investment. And the service of getting things taken out of your house, I tell you what, that's that's a lot more affordable than you realize. Um, there's a lot of you know one eight hundred get junk and 
junk, uh, what are they, junk cluggers or something. There's a company and there's a bunch of them that'll come out and clean your house out um, for a very reasonable amount of money. And if you have a lot of equity, you have a, a HELOC, if you will, um, you know, that there's, um, you, you go to the local bank, you get a very low interest rate, you can afford to make those improvements, you sell the property, the bank loan gets paid off. So do you think that's a case, though, of just people not being informed? They just don't, they yeah. don't know the other half of it, because we have to admit these guaranteed offers, they, they advertise a lot, and make it sound pretty darn simple. And maybe that's the only person they call, and they, and yep. they, they grab it. And so mm -hmm. um, getting informed, I think, is a real important thing. Yeah. Awesome. The favorite segment, this segment did really good when we clipped it on Facebook. People were, were laughing at this. So we got our story time. Let me play it. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. Do you, you have any stories for us today? You always have a story. Well, yes, I do. Uh, no, I, uh, no, you know, um, so story time. Um, are you asking us for experiences we've had this week? Or, or what are you thinking? Your whole career. Oh, God. You go first, Chris. Oh, boy. How, how about, um, how about uh, hellish showings? I think those are uh, that never seem to uh, win. I remember uh, one that I went on. It was, uh, I mean, a super, super, super rainy um, day. And we were kind of knocking them out. Boy, this is probably back in the, the early 90s. And yeah. uh, we were in, uh, it was in Prior Lake where there used to be a lot of um, dirt roads and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, I was well, out showing houses and, you know, kind of running to the place. And then what I would do is I'd, I'd run up first to make sure that the door was unlocked and so that they could come flying in and stuff like that. And uh, we, uh, we did that a couple houses and I went to this one and it was uh, not only a dirt road, but it was a dirt driveway. And uh, I got out of the car and, you know, they're sitting there and they're watching. And I did the old feet went under it from under me flat, <laughs> oh, on no. my, flat on my back and uh, i mean complete mud I'm, I'm just like covered in mud and so uh, oh my god that, that didn't go that did go too well that uh that's funny i so my one of my favorite stories i've ever told was when i was um i've got quite a few of them actually over the years but the one that i thought was the funniest was or scariest i should say so we're out showing houses and we're up in uh saint francis and we're literally um, going down on a 10 acre site. We're driving down a gravel road and we had authorization for the showing and we get out to this place and I didn't have a chance to review it. And it's an in the ground like basement, um, but it's log. It's kind of cool. And then they eventually, you know, you build the upper half, kind of like a lot of people do with their cabins. Right. And so we're pulling up. It's dark. It's muddy. Um, and we pull up and, and my, my buddy customer had a, a truck shines it at the front, um, door of the house. And I'm like, why don't you guys sit here? I'll, I'll go up and get the door open, you know, and then you can come in. So we're, we're literally sitting there and I'm opening up the door and I'm jostling around and whatever. And about the second I turn the key to open the door, all of a sudden this guy goes, who the hell are you? And this is a shotgun in my face. And he's standing there. He's standing there with a shotgun. Who the hell are you? I canceled this showing. And I go, so you do know it's a showing? I'm a real estate agent. I'm just here to help you sell your house. I don't need to get killed, you know? And then literally, I'm talking my customers. They didn't even wait to see if I was in the car. Driving down the driveway. <laughs> it took off. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, I really was like, oh my God, what what uh, what just happened here? Oh my, oh, I, I've never been that nervous for someone to make a good decision in my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable that they would uh, pull a shotgun on you. I mean, it just, no, I mean, in my face, it wasn't like, he, he, well, and I'm like, I go, dude, I'm obviously opening up the lockbox here. I'm a, I'm a licensed real, and he, he made the comment. He goes, I canceled this showing. So he was trying to be a jerk, I think, but. Remember my story from last week, Andy? Always announce that you're a realtor because there's funny things that happen in those houses. How do you announce yourself, by the way? I, realtor. I, I think I, I think I laugh. Do it. People laugh at me. I walk in and I'll go, realtor, 
best realtor in town. Oh, God. That's and not people, surprising. But, yeah, or you walk in and you'll say some. I always have some kind of a, a very. Uh, I, don't know, I try to be try to be entertaining. Oh, really weird. Yeah. I've read some things. Try too just, hard. That reminded me that scary situation of um, female agents like being told, "Hey, you should carry something or a pepper spray because it's not yeah. the safest job in the world." One hundred percent. No. You know, from a, an agent standpoint, you just never let people get behind you male, female, whatever. Uh, you don't ever want um, someone behind you and you don't have to follow them up or say, hey, let's go upstairs. And then, you know, you, you lead the way. You just always kind of direct them in different ways and then you can kind of follow up. But uh, yeah, very, very important. I mean, we've uh, unfortunately heard too many um, people that agents that have gotten killed. Um, yep. You know, showing houses, so. It, it's horrible. And, you know, the thing that I was, uh, I think back to like the, the uh, foreclosure crisis, and there were several different opportunities there where I was, uh, I was helping uh, Bank of America at the time. And Bank of America actually had a really cool program back in the day, even though, yes, there's foreclosures, these guys were doing uh, moving assistance checks. So I approached a family in St. Paul, and, and it was a, you know, pretty, pretty uh, you know, interesting neighborhood. And so I'd go out there early in the morning and I'd met with the guy and there was like literally like 10 people living in this house. And I said, Hey, I, good news. I got the bank to offer us $25,000 to help relocate your whole family. And this guy gives me a big hug and he's like, Oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Thank you so much. And so I said, but here's what we do. We get it broom ready. I'll come back. I got two weeks, get it done. I'll come back. I'll literally have the check in my hand. They'll FedEx it to me if you sign this. So he did. And I come back and he goes, you know, Andy, he goes, I really like you. And he goes, I'm just telling you, you see those two guys? And I go, no. And he goes, okay, you're not, you're not, you're not used to being around here. He goes, I'm going to walk you out the front door and you're going to get in your truck and you're going to leave. And he goes, don't question me. He goes, just do it. And here are these two guys, as we're walking out the front door, I hear the back door. Boom, 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 boom. And he goes, they were going to come to jump you. He goes straight up. Those two guys are troublemakers and get out and go. And I'm like, thank you so much. Here's your check. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like gone down the street. And I'm like, why the hell am I doing this job? And I just, I mean, or I've been at houses where I'm doing a, a occupancy checks. And some of these properties are vacant. And I was down in Minneapolis. And I always go really early because a lot of troublemakers don't get up early. They, they, you know, it just works better that way. And I was going into a house. And also I heard, uh, and this was a vacant property. I heard hustle, rustle, boom, 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 boom. And the back door slam. And I'm literally, of course, again, I have to always carry extra shorts on my truck because of this scaring the crap, <laughs> literally the crap out of me. And I, and I can seal and carry. So I'm like, I'm like, I'll, I'll probably get killed. Cause I'm the guy that goes, oh, boom, boom. You know? <laughs> I'm kidding. That, I, was, that was frequent back then. Um, we had an agent that got hit with a pipe and, and knocked yep. out and they took his stuff. And then, yep. but he, and he was big into showing houses down there and, and working with an investor. And then, so what he started doing was, cause there was a lot of squatters in those houses. Yeah. He would then come in and he goes, you know, realtor, I've got a gun and I will shoot, but I'll give you five minutes to get out. And then everyone would get out. Yep. It was this crazy. Yeah. The, you know, it's kind of crazy back then to the police. Um, they would, you know, I, so I of course have to call and say, Hey, somebody broke in this house. And they're like, it's, it's probably some kid, you know, hiding a stash of something, whatever that stash is. And he goes, is it really worth you coming down here to get shot at or stabbed or hit with a pipe um, to do this occupancy check? And I go, that's where I really did some soul searching with what I was doing in real estate, because I was like, man, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm not the, the small fee that's paid by a bank to do those things for the bank. And the only reason why you would do it is because you're literally trying to earn the banks, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't listings. know what you would call it. Yeah. To get the listings, but then you'd also get the bigger listings, the mansions, you know, up in, on, on the lakes or whatever, and, and, you know? So, you know, you had to take some of the uglies to get the good ones, but I, oh, those days, I don't, I'm so glad they're behind us. I just, that was just bad. They never come back. I agree. Amen, brother. Oh, uh, we should have a, a listener question. I thought it was really good. Uh, remember to send any of your questions um, to our the Real Estate Radio Show 
the Facebook page, and then comment too. Comment on the videos if you want to ask a question. But this question was pretty cool because it's very relevant. They asked, historically, what happens to markets after buyers start overpaying? I think, I don't know if you're insinuating that people are overpaying right now. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, I guess, that, that people are overpaying because I don't think we're in a, we're in a bubble market. And I think that's what um, th things are worth right now. And I don't, I really don't believe that it's going to revert back unless something really big happens. I think it might be that it might go stale or it might come down a little. Um, some, some of the houses I sold, maybe that might be a $10,000, $15,000 um, difference, but that's not, that's not, to me, that's not crazy. I mean, what was happening before and where it was inflated and they're just giving loans away and people are just buying things because they thought they would keep appreciating. And they, th that was nuts. I mean, they were paying 50,000 over uh, what things were worth just to get it because the financing was so easy. But I just don't think that's happening now. But if you, if you are overpaying, I mean, we're going to get back to what Andy was just talking about in, in that kind of a market. It starts going into foreclosing and losing houses. And then it's just, if everyone starts piling on, then there's a bigger problem. Well, you know, I think that, it, so, okay. So to answer that question, um, I right fresh off the press, sitting here with the REMAX International economist team and the whatever that just gave us an update, they said with the current equity values that are in play, with the current economic conditions, the current interest rates, the demand on the market, the lack of people that are taking action on doing what they really want to do, they're saying that it would take five years for this market to bleed out and change into a different environment where it, they basically were telling us, get used to this kind of environment for the next three to five years, minimum. It's, it's going to be a very low inventory environment. It's going to be very fair interest rates. I mean, the Fed just said this week too, that they basically are uh, not taking um, any look at their monetary practices until 2022, where they're not going to change anything. So that effectively means the banks are going to be the ones raising the rates, not necessarily the Fed, that they want to keep things status quo and keep things rolling. So I would say get used to this market. Um, things are going to continue at that three to 8% a year, um, as long as there's this much pressure on the marketplace and just position yourself better. Spend Instead of being the, oh, let's just sell it and at a whim, let's do some more strategy to this. Let's, you know, think about where you're going, make a plan. I mean, we were just, you know, spending the last couple of days talking about how our industry is going to make great strides to become more professional and offer resources that the, the click apps don't offer, such as having properties in our neighborhoods where people want to live that are not on all the apps and that you don't have to fight for and having, you know, some really cool new resources and tools that the consumer can lean back into their agent and say, Hey, help me. And, and let's make a plan and let's, let's knock it out of the park for you guys. You know? So I'm pretty optimistic and excited, especially with as much equity as you have right now in the country. Yeah. I, I, I that's really good to hear because I, I mean, I didn't hear that information and that's a, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's really good. So I think, you know, when we talk about this, uh, question about what historically happens. I mean, hopefully we're, we're going to get past that. Hopefully we've learned, but I'll tell you what, um, history does tend to repeat itself and uh, people kind of forget about it, but I just don't think it, it's too in the back of people's minds. I mean, when, when we hit the other one, it was like the late eighties were really bad. And then it was yeah. the mid 2000s. So there's about 20 years difference. Now we're about 10, you know, and it's not quite forgettable yet. And I don't think people. Well, are... but you know, it's the income to debt ratios. I mean, they were just talking about this too. And they're saying like the average family right now, when they're buying a house is only dedicating 18% of their disposable or their income towards their mortgage payments. Back in the two thousands, people were doing up to 45%, like across the board, it was nuts. So people were buying houses way beyond their means. They were buying houses on loans that were basically exploding on them in their hands. They were, you know, the, the two years of interest only. And then it, jumps up up to 3% a year. So it could go up to 12%. And then they couldn't even afford their payments because they were starting at 45 or 46% of their income going to the payment. And so it's just, it's really different right now. The market is very healthy. The baby boomers are not selling their houses. Those houses are paid for free and clear. And, you know, I think the biggest clog in the marketplace is the new construction 
where we want to build more, we can build more. We just can't find this, the, the labor. And then, and now lumber prices are, you know, every, every lumber mill and, and plywood company across the country is taking full advantage of their opportunity to double their prices and, and more. And I'll tell you what, if you don't want to call it gouging, I don't know what else to call it. Cause it's, it's straight up is there's, you can only blame COVID for so much. And then I call bullshit and it. And I I'm calling bullshit on it right now. So it's, it's well, probably we convenient for some people. It's just like with, uh, I mean, you always remember, I used to be in a suit all the time and I kind of use the whole COVID thing as an excuse that I don't have to dress up anymore. Not anymore. Done. Uh, is that why I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops today, Chris? You've always wore that. That's your, yeah. that's your gear. <laughs> yeah. Let's let Andy enjoy it. We're out that we're at that hour mark. It was a good episode. I'm glad everything worked today and I hope the listeners liked it. Hey, make sure you let us know what your favorite segments are and, and maybe what you want to hear more and send us your questions. That's huge. And remember now the episodes are going to be put on um, the iTunes, Spotify, and all those streaming platforms for podcasting. So if you miss it, Listen on um, one of those platforms. Yeah. Get a little pool going here, having some fun. I got to go back to classes. Actually, I'm five minutes late to a class. So finish, thank you guys again. Finish strong, Andy. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for, sorry for all the technical problems today, guys. I appreciate you entertaining me. I'll go. Ciao, ciao.